Joss, how's your day going so far? Oh, really well. Really well. We've had lots of lovely chats, lots of coffee, which is very good. It means I talk very quickly. <laughs> there you go. Spe speaking of Nashville, where you're at, some of your new music was recorded in Nashville. Some of it was recorded in the Bahamas, or did you write it in Nashville and then record it in the Bahamas? Yes, we started writing it in the Bahamas, where Dave decided to move brilliantly. Yes. Um, and then he also lives out here in Nashville and convinced me to join him. So I'm now living out here. Um, so we recorded it here. And then the vocals were all sorts of distorted, which we didn't realize. So I had to redo the whole record. <laughs> so I did that when I was at home in Devon. So actually it's the Bahamas, America and England on this record. It was only supposed to be two places, but it ended up being three. Um, and then it was mixed in, in New Jersey with Steve Greenwell. So it's been around, it's definitely been around. <laughs> one thing I've never been able to figure out, Dave is one of the most successful producers ever, hell of a songwriter, hell of a performer, but some producers, you know what it is that they do. You go, yeah. okay, well, that's the person who gets in the room, refines the songs, they get right. the tones and all that. I wasn't sure what Dave, his yeah. approach is. Is it different album to album or what does he do for you? Do you know what? I think it is different album to album. And I think for me it is um, with him because I, I can say, because I've made ooh, three albums with him now, um, two just mine. So we had LP1 and this one. Um, and then we did the Super Heavy record. And then before that, we did a few songs on the Alfie soundtrack. And they have all been different experiences. I have a I have a theory with Dave. I think that he just wants everyone to be happy and have fun. So he'll take the person that he is working with and he'll find their heart and he'll go, oh, okay. So you're feeling like this right now. Tell me, tell me more about that. It's almost like, well, it's like hanging out with your best mate. Um, but if you didn't know him for very long, it might be like hanging out with a therapist, you know, cause he's very like, hey, tell me more about the worst thing that ever happened to you, you know? And for some reason you just tell him because he is, he's so kind and you know, it's always coming from a really good place and he just wants you to get to where you want to go. He's not trying to impose his ideas onto you. He's got thousands of ideas. You know, why, why stick with one? I think he's as inspired by my ideas as I am about his. And that's a lovely collaboration. It's not stressful. You don't feel like you have to do something that you don't like because he's into it. It's not like that. And that's why I think you hear so many different styles coming out of that man. Wow. That sounds like Rick Rubin's approach. Only Dave is actually a hell of a guitar player. So oh, yeah. he actually gets his hands dirty with the engineering and the playing. Yes. Yes, he does. Oh my God. He really can play. Woof. So, I mean, um, he's so humble though this is the thing so Tom Bukovac played guitar on this record and I'm like Dave I mean Tom is amazing of course but Dave's so inspired by other people I think he forgets just how amazing he is at playing <laughs> it's not just the writing and the producing and the mixing and all of that and also artwork remember that he's he's also a photographer mm -hmm. um of like the highest degree he's so brilliant he really is he's very brilliant at everything that he does and I think it's because he does it with um um love and enjoyment you know he, it's not stressful I think the idea that art has to be difficult and dark and kind of 
I don't like pulling teeth. I don't know. I, I definitely don't agree with that idea. And I don't think Dave does. I think it's all about having a laugh, having fun. He wrote, um, he wrote a book called The Business Playground. And that is how he works. It is like a playground. And that's why musically, it's a wonderful environment to be in. So, you know, it sounds like it's all very like happy-go-lucky and whatever, but then you listen to these songs and they're like, whoa, that is deep. You know, it can be very heavy and very dramatic, but it's fun to do that. You know, it's real. Yeah. A, a lot of artists that I've worked with or spoken with, when they're making an album, they don't know that they're making an album. They go, well, I'm going to have one <laughs> writing session. We'll see how the song yeah. comes out. And it goes really well. And they go, I'm going to do a whole album with this person. Did you know outright that this was an album and not an EP or just a single? I knew this was an album with Dave. Um, because only because I worked with him before, I think, because I know I know how he works. But he d definitely doesn't faff around. He moves very, very quickly, um, and he likes to get the idea out. Um, and I feel exactly the same. I am just as impatient as he is, which is wonderful. <laughs> so I sat down with him. We were writing for another project, and I said, "God, I really would love to make one of those really like beautifully crafted records, like the Burt Bacharach style." Mm -hmm. um, from back in the day that's like everything is deliberate all the melodies are we have written them nothing is a jam nothing is like off the cuff I want it to be really deliberate I've never done that before everything I've done has just been like free hey I'll sing the song kind of I'll make up a new melody here new one there maybe I'll chuck in a different word here it's all very very much like that almost like a blues approach but this is not that and I have taken a lot of joy in that because it seems to be more, almost like more professional or more adult. Um, so I, I was saying that to him, that's what I wanted to do. And he literally goes, oh, well, just why don't, why don't we just do it? And I was like, what, what, what right now? But right now we're writing for this other thing. He's like, it, it won't take long, come on. Let's just do it. What should we write about first? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Oh. And that was it. A few days later, we had 10, 10 ideas for songs. Um, and, um, you know, he always leaves the, the lyrics kind of open. He just gets the, the chords, the shape, the melody. Okay, we've got the chord, we've got the, uh, the title. We know what the song's about. Don't worry about the detail, Joss. We're done. I'm like, what? It's only been half an hour. What do you mean we're done? <laughs> um, but that's how it works. So then I'll take it home and I'll work on the lyrics and, um, and you know, craft it a little bit more. And then when we got in the studio, we, we created this thing and I love it. But we did know from the second we sat down, okay, let's make an album. One, two, three, go. And it's fun. What you said at the beginning there about the Bacharach influence, totally hear that on Never Forget My Love, I which do. is the title oh. track. Well, the string swells. That's yes. not something you hear any... It, you don't, not only don't you not hear that often, but nowadays people to save money are doing keyboard strings yes. wells. Yes, So yeah. it's, it's totally organic and that's the title track to the album. Was that the first or the second song that you did for it? Oh, that, do you know what? That song, when we wrote it, it's funny this one. So the other ones we were sitting in the studio, we were writing. This one, we were having dinner at Dave's. His neighbor um, was having a birthday. So his lovely wife, Anushka, was like, hey, come round, we'll have a dinner. It's like 10 people. We're all chatting, drinking wine, talking over each other. It's all really loud. And Dave just, I don't know why, I can't remember what sparked this, but he picked up a guitar and he started to play. And I'm talking to someone. 
And he's like, Joss, what do you think about this? And I was like, uh, yeah, 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 no, that sounds really good. And then I'm trying to keep this conversation going, but at the same time, I know Dave wants me to sing something on this. So I'm like, okay, uh, uh, never forgive my love. I'm just singing something. And I think he recorded it or his daughter recorded it. We came up with some stuff literally at the dinner table <laughs> in the middle of all this chatter. And then the next day he goes, hey, that's actually really, that's a wicked song right there. We have to finish that. And there we go. Now we have Never Forget My Love. How random. That one was random. <laughs> but yeah, the strings, this guy, Tim, who put the strings together here in Nashville, luckily, just by the grace of God, he had been working with Bert like the week before, writing strings with Bert Bacharach. Can you believe our luck? And the guy was like, hey, so is that the vibe you want? No problem. I was just talking to him yesterday. I'm like, what? Are you serious? So, you know, with the strings, I took each track and I sang ideas in, in my random way of doing it. And Tim comes in, he's like, oh yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And then just created this beautiful thing on a keyboard with fake strings. And then he goes, writes it all out. And then we get in there with some real, real players. Um, and then they track those real, there was only six of them. It sounds like there's 30. Yes, and he just retracts, retracts, retracts. Because I, whenever I've done orchestras in the past, it's been so expensive because you have like thirty people. Union, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, and they're all union, yeah. And it's so crazy. But we just went to this bloke's house, and there they were in the living room, and it was just stunning. I mean, I I love that way of recording strings. It's really quite, it's really quite amazing how they do it. But keyboard strings, that's a no no, straight up. I'd rather not have them. I'd rather just get an organ to play the lines or something. No, 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 no. Do not go there with keyboard strings. It's not good. It's it's awesome that you not only have this album that's coming out in the near future, but you used your pandemic time wisely with getting the oh, yeah. cooking series off the ground, doing the podcast yeah. thing. So there's yeah. no shortage of great Jawstone content out there. Uh, how long was it from having the idea of I'm going to launch a podcast to actually doing it? Do you know what? My friend Richard, he is the guy that puts podcasts together and he does podcasts, um, like science podcasts in the UK. Um, he does one with Professor Nutt, who famously, um, he was a scientist working for the government and um, he got fired because he said ecstasy was less dangerous than um, horse riding. <laughs> so he's really famous in the UK for that and he's got his own podcast. Um, so Rich... He is my younger brother's best mate. And I went to school with him. And he's been saying to me for ages, Joss, do you want to do a podcast? I'm like, I'd love to, but I don't really have time. And I've got a tour and I don't really know what to do it about. And then of course the pandemic hit and he was like, hi, <laughs> remember that thing you said about not having time? Right. <laughs> so, and he actually came up with the idea. He's like, Joss, everything you do is about happiness. Let's, Let's do a podcast about how people can get happy, you know, what's going on in the brain, why certain people in different countries are happy. I mean, it's called A Cup of Happy because I love tea and everybody needs a cup of tea in the morning. So, well, I certainly do. And wouldn't it be nice if it was A Cup of Happy? So we called it that. And I've spoken to some very intelligent people because of this podcast, my goodness, like psychologists. Yeah you know, people that really, really understand the brain. And 
it's very um, eye-opening. So I'll be doing an, another um, another little stint on that one. Um, just before I go on tour, I'm going to try and record some more episodes. Um, there's this lady, I'm excited to talk to her. Her name's Syaban, and she she is from the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. She has made this whole pack that you buy online. It's a digital pack where she'll give you coaching on how to have a positive birth experience. A water <laughs> so birth? So, of course, I or... get pregnant. Well, apparently it's not supposed to hurt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I can't wait to talk to her because I had a C-section, so I have no idea whether it hurts or not. Maybe next time I'll get a chance. But I tell you what, the lady is amazing. And all, the, all these women that follow her, they're like, yeah. I had the most beautiful birth. It barely hurt. I'm like, oh God, I need to talk to you, lady. So she's going to be on my next one. <laughs> when, when you uh, when you hear about people's birth experiences, some people have a curated playlist because they're music-specific people. Yes. Yet yes. people who work in music often do not listen to any music. They're like, that is my craft. I do yes. not enjoy that. You, yes. music during <laughs> I, the birth or no? I would say... I would say no, unless it was something like created by like Mitten Sawney and was really soft and had like Indian vibes going on in the background. Maybe I like, I would like to listen to something calming like that. But to be honest, I think you might be right because when I'm at home, I don't really blast the music. I listen to the birds. You know, my ears need a rest. Yeah. And, and nature is really just it is very musical it's just in a different way so that's really what I go for when I need calm so um but now I've got Violet I do now I've gone back to blasting the music in the morning because we have so much fun with it so um when I feed her she started eating food which is awesome really fun Mm -hmm. um we play a lot of Whitney Houston because then I can dance around the room like you know singing to her and she just cracks up laughing so she's into Whitney Houston and she's into the the Isley Brothers um, fight the power. She loves the bass line. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. He's doing great taste at a, at a young age. I, I yeah. learned my lesson with, I like to have music on 24 seven. And so yeah. I had to get an MRI about two years ago. And they said, oh you God. get, you get to choose whatever music you want when you go into that sliding thing. And oh, at yeah. first I was like, why don't I put Travis? That would be oh, great and relaxing. And I said, yeah. wait, no, that might be boring. Let's put on Helmet, the, the heavy metal band. And oh, I no. Put on Helmet. And after 90 seconds, I went, I can't do this. I got to get out no, of this. No, 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 no. Turn that off. Oh, God. That was brave. Why did you do that, you nutter? <laughs> I, I just thought it'd be more entertaining to listen to some metal. And it was a, the worst idea ever. So no metal childbirths. I guess that's the lesson to learn. Definitely not. Oh no. So when you're in there and were you like shouting to them, can you turn it off? Yes. Yeah, I was hitting the button. Oh god. (laughs) They took me out and you failed an MRI. Oh geez. Oh no, no, no. No, 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 dear. You could listen to like like pillow talk or Icy Brothers would be good actually. Yeah, go with that. (laughs) You nutter. Well, that's the secret I've learned. The Isley Brothers might be the universal thing for kids, for yes. MRIs, for yes. parties. Definitely. Yeah. Now Perfect. I know, but uh, the, the cooking show, the Facebook Live cooking show, Cooking yeah. with Joss, is that something yeah. you're hoping to do long term as well? 
Yes, I really like doing it. I stopped doing it for a while because I had Violet and I was just so tired. And every Sunday would come round and I was like, oh my God, I don't think I can do it. And Cody goes, don't worry, it's okay. It's just a silly thing on Facebook. <laughs> I say, okay, yeah, no, you're right. Um, but it is fun and it does make people laugh and I really do enjoy it. Um, I try to do it with Violet a bit, but she, when she was really little, she was just like, mom, what are you doing? She just cries at the wrong moments. So now Christmas is coming. I want to do one now because it's like festive and I fancy making some, I don't know, last year I did mince pie. So I've got to think of something to do. And then um, I'm going on tour at the end of January. So I probably do a few in January. I just enjoy it. It's just fun. It really is. And people, they just laugh. And I think I get a lot of good tips from the viewers because they see me doing things that maybe I shouldn't be with <coughs> mixing cream in the wrong place or too much or too little. And I get a lot of tips, um, which is funny. Um, it's just a laugh. I think anything like a cup of happy, anything that makes you smile, you should do. So uh, cooking with Joss on Facebook is something that I should do. <laughs> Well, you mentioned touring a second ago, and I'm not going to run down the whole timeline, but I had yeah. the opportunity to look at your schedule for 2022 and 2023. And wow, is it amazing how booked out you are and how this yeah. is all planned and how you're still happy and not losing it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Cody says that to me all the time. He's like, why are you not like in a bad mood? <laughs> Sometimes I am, but I think I'm all right without sleep. It does. It makes me a bit mad, but it definitely makes me giggle. Hey, but um, yeah, with Violet, now she's here. Life has changed touring wise. So I don't want to do the whole too much flying. So we're going to do a lot of it on a bus. So we'll make our home on the bus and that will be perfect. Cause really, I mean, I don't have to strap her into a car seat. I'll just cuddle her and um, we'll have our own little bed and it will be, I'm excited about it. I really hope that it works out because if it doesn't work out for her, it doesn't work out for anyone. That's kind of the rule. And um, she's been on the road with me a little bit now. We're just in a few gigs in Switzerland. And she's just, she's like sunshine. Every new person she sees, she's smiling and happy. She loves the music. So as long as that's good, then my touring will continue. That's really it. Until she goes to school, you know, I just need to make more music and don't, I don't want to run around the world as much as I did though, you know, so you'll notice yeah. my touring stints, they are like, oh, you can drive that. Oh, okay. That's nice. That's kind of calm, you know, it's, you still it's very interesting that not only are you so busy with all these upcoming tour plans, but in these countries, you're an arena artist in this country, you're a festival artist in this yeah. country, yeah. you're a theater thing. When you have that kind of a makeup for your career, is it at this point that you have like three different shows you can do? You're like, here's the hit show, here's yeah. the outdoor show, and then here's <laughs> the deep cut show. Is it like that? I always, um, I judge it on the audience. So you can play a festival and notice that they're all sat down and they're all really calm and they're all listening really intently. And you're like, oh, I thought you wanted to dance. Well, that's clearly not what's going on. And then I'll tell my stories and I'll sing some ballads and they'll be like in tears or whatever. You know, so it really, it depends on where you are and how the people are feeling. So if you, I mean, I have a bit of a new band set up. Not all of them are new, but um, a lot of them will be this time. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to know all of my stuff from, from way, way, way back when. 
Um, and if that's the case, I can just go, hey, let's sing Bad Habit. And they'll all know it. Um, even though it wasn't a single, it's just an obscure track, you know. Um, so this time I need to be a little bit more thoughtful. And I've also got this new album. So I like to play the new album in a venue. But if you go to a festival and play the new album, they'll be like, why are you doing that? No, one The not- bottles will be flying, yes. They don't care. They just like, can you just sing the songs that I know, please? Yeah. <laughs> so you have to you have to have all of that rehearsed. Yeah. So we're gonna rehearse the whole album and pretty much all of my singles, I think. So then so then I have something to give people. I just want them to be happy. I just want them to have to hear what they came to hear. And if I see them getting a bit chatty on the new songs, whatever, we'll move on. We'll sing. I don't know, we'll sing Son of a Preacher Man or something. It's not even my song, but, you know, as long as people are happy, that's that's the job of a performer, you know. I look at you as a total band-leading person out front. Sometimes when yeah. you look at a, at a big star kind of artist, you can yeah. see, like, the keyboardist is leading that band. They're the MD yeah. or the guitarist is leading that band. Yeah. And I look at you and I see everyone is watching you to see what the cues are. If we watched yeah. you closely, James mm-hmm. Brown style, would we notice the hand signals? Of- <laughs> Probably. <laughs> There's a few, you know, my, um, my bass player for years, he was my MD. And so mostly for musical cues, they'll look to him, but um, my drummer also was helping with that. And then, so everyone's looking to me, but they're also looking for confirmation on like notes and things. So it's a bit of a collaboration there, but because I change it so much, if they weren't looking at me, it would all go tits up because I'll be like, hang on a minute, this needs to be faster or slower, or we need to do that verse again, or can we just repeat? You know, I think if they're not looking, then it's all very disjointed. So the drummer and I, because the drummer's the loudest person on the stage. And also my very first MD was my drummer. So I kind of, I have learned to always look to the drummer. They're the most powerful, you know, if the drummer's on your side, you're good. If they're they're watching, you are good. Um, So Rick Jordan's my drummer and he is locked. We are locked. So yeah, he knows. He knows if I lift my hand, what I mean. And he knows if I drop it, it's, you know, we're, we're chilling out. He just knows and I have, such com- I feel so much more comfortable when he's there. So, yeah, it's not all me, it's everyone. <laughs> now I know. Uh, something I'm super curious about with you is there was a weird random article in like 2006 or 2007 where they were talking about Eddie Van Halen appearing at a CNN filmed related thing at center staging. And the article is like, and Joss Stone barefoot runs out of the room and tries to get in to see the rehearsal. Oh, really? Yes, and this got quoted in a lot of places. So as somebody who's attempting to write a book about David Lee Roth, I was just curious if that was a coincidence that you happened to be running out of that time. A, B, you were a Van Halen huge fan, or <laughs> C, that was just like gross misreporting of the whole thing. I think it could just be, it could be A or C. I don't really know, because I don't remember that at all. <laughs> but, um. Maybe I was just running around trying to watch rehearsal. I'm very nosy. <laughs> it's possible. I like music. It's very possible. But, you know, people do make a lot of stuff up. You know, it's so funny. There was once this story that was reported. It's so hilarious. 
I had, um, I went through a phase of dyeing my hair all sorts of different colours, as we now has become very popular, actually. Sure. But at the time, I, I got in a lot of trouble with my label. That wouldn't happen today. But um, anyway, I finally got to the colour blue after I'd been through them all. And one day I was playing and it was really hot and I cannot remember where it was. God knows, could have been in Europe. Anyway, and I was sweating on stage and there was blue running down my neck and on my face and I looked like a smurf. It was terrible. Um, and it was hilarious. It was so funny. And I went backstage and I saw um, my personal assistant, Courtney Christian, who's one of my best mates. And we were wetting ourselves laughing. It was so funny. In the press the next day, like worldwide press, shared everywhere, reported everywhere. Joss Stone has thrown a cup of tea on her, on her personal assistant for ruining her hair dye. <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you, man. I, mean, I don't know how, how they got to that, but I found that just hilarious. And Courtney, she forwards me the thing like, what is going on? So, you know, it's like Chinese whispers, isn't it? It just goes, <laughs> it's like a little snowball. <laughs> It's great that you have the positive disposition to have not have that ruining your day and not be one of the artists who then sues the media outlet no. and three I years in court. No, you can't do that. You have to laugh. I mean, really, it is quite funny. <laughs> I mean, and it's, um, it can be kind of annoying when they say things that paint you in a mean light because that's not who I am. But it's all right. You know who you are when you go to bed. You don't need everyone to believe you. It's all right. <laughs> well said. Well, this is a compliment. This is not going to be a backhanded thing. Like you're like you're waiting for it. I'm going to say you've made the <laughs> right career choices kind of over and over and over again. That when you first came out stateside for S Curve Records and yeah. we heard the White Stripes cover went, oh, this is pretty cool. And then you progressed as more of a soul artist. Then we saw Super Heavy. Then this is a Bacharach kind of sounding thing. Yeah. So it's musical evolution in a really, really great way. So something oh, I was wondering was how much of this is planned far in advance versus just being in the room and going, I feel like doing this and sticking with it. Oh, wow. Do you know what? I've never, ever thought about it like the way you just put it. That's cool. Like when you lay it, it out, like, that's cool. Yeah, it's like, oh, wow. I suppose I have grown um, musically in a way. Um, do you know what? When you put together a show, um, you're putting together somebody's evening, you know, someone's feeling and you kind of get to know someone at the beginning and you introduce yourself and then you start with certain songs that would help people to feel more comfortable and then you pass them something that might be a little bit more thoughtful and maybe twist their brains a little bit or maybe not. Um, there's, a, there's a shape to that graph. It kind of goes up. But I suppose that's life, isn't it, in a way? Um, I started not really knowing what I was doing. Um, on the first two records, I really was figuring out how to sing and then how to write. And then on the third one, it was like graduation time, right? Let's get drunk, really go for it and show everyone I know kind of what well, I'm doing. You're an adult now, so do adult yeah. things and tell everyone you're an adult and have a new name. Yeah. Although you didn't yes. do that. You didn't do the no, Dick Gibson, uh, Deborah. I didn't. But I, I do think that I did go through the phase of like, hey, I want to be me. Yeah. And it is what it is, you know, and it's very defiant. 
you know, because you have to in order to become the woman to that you want to become. So um, it is like watching a movie, isn't it? You know, you're watching a, a child grow into a teenager and then into a young adult where they think that they know, but actually. And now I feel, I feel like I've met a lot of people, work with a lot of different artists, especially the Super Heavy record was a really special time for me because I learned so much. Yeah. And I spent a lot of time being quiet and just listening, which is rare for me because I'm... <laughs> I like to talk, <laughs> but um, I did watch and I did, I tried to learn and working with Betty Wright was very much that. I, I am the student. Outrocast.